Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Uh, let's have Joey up now to tell our joke. Hello, everyone. I am Joey, your honorary joke teller for the evening. Um, I had a I, I got with our uh, consultant here, Joe Consultant, and I think I picked out a pretty good one, huh? All right. Oh, yeah, we'll see. It's right, Chris. Thank you. Can't have contempt prior to invest. All right, never mind. All right. We'll leave that for later. An oxymoron walks in the bar, and the sound was deafening. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joey. Um, I'm a recovered alcoholic, and my name is Megan. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, uh, we're going to start our two-minute uh, meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that uh, make noise and might or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Uh, let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. Thank you. 
Okay, now we're going, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, now we're going to say the fog light prayer. God, God let, let your, your love shine, shine through me like a fog light. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. Uh, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that uh, we have discovered a common uh, solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to all who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Chelsea to come up and read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. Uh, we read this because the main pur purpose of the 12 steps is, is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. Chelsea, recovered alcoholic. Chelsea. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon re carefully reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described, though it was not our intention to create such an impression. Many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist will William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. Often, what often takes place in a few months could seldom have, so, yeah, seldom have accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few expectations, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently, presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most empathetically, <laughs> we wish to say that an alcoholic capable of honest, honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one, no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a princ 
principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer, Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you, Chelsea. Um, Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn them off. Um, now we have our two speakers. We missed you ladies last week, um, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say tonight on uh, in your fourth session. Thank you. Hi, family. I'm Isabel, a recovered alcoholic. Marlene, alcoholic. Woohoo. It's good to be back, right? <laughs> I feel like we back. were on a roll. Yeah, living, <clears throat> living life, loving, getting uh, our lives together, keeping our lives together through God and AA. So um, it was a much needed break, and I'm glad that we're back here and ready again to share, you know. But since we were gone for a week and we had just finished one, two, and three, we'd really like to do a, a quick little review on what we had shared on step one, two, and three. So, Mar, if we go back to step one, what would you say, you know, what would you say the, the biggest point for you, the biggest takeaway? Yeah, it was that I was beat and, uh, and I finally conceded to my innermost self that that I was licked and I couldn't do it anymore um, and surrendered to to God and to the program of AA. Mm. That's when the, the journey began for me. Yeah, a complete and total powerlessness over this disease. You know, definitely we're done, I'm out. Can't take any more. And if you've come to that place, and that's great, whoever's there on Zoom land that, you know, knows that, you know, we've got to admit to ourselves this complete powerlessness and totally surrender, throw in the towel. And then finally, you know, through going to the meetings and admitting openly, hey, I'm an alcoholic, we get to come to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to what? Insanity. Yeah. Yeah. As insane as we could be especially coming in and still can be, <laughs> right? I mean, come on, people, let's face facts. Um, so, you know, coming to that, you know, realization that I can be restored brings a lot of comfort and peace and, yeah. That hope that we need mm -hmm. to help us build that faith because for a lot of us, we didn't have that. You know, it was like, believe in what? But, you know, the fact that we could be restored by seeing other people in the rooms definitely gives us hope. Like, I can't believe this nut job got, <laughs> got their marbles back. Yeah. Like, wow, there's hope for, for, for me. If they can do it, I can do it. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. And then finally, you know, with step three, making that decision, you know, finally. To turn it over. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. That let go, abandoning ourselves to God. And uh, we're still doing that on a daily basis, obviously. You know, still, still surrendering to God, still saying, God, here, here's all of me. Help me. 
Yeah. God help me. God help me. Amen. And so now we're at step four, you know, Mm -hmm. where we make a searching and fearless. Moral inventory. Yeah. And that's a big jump. What's that? Well, (laughs) I had never done one before. I didn't want to do it. No. I did not want to do it. I like what it says in the big book. Uh, not to quote, because I can't really... I got the big book right here. <laughs> Just for the record, people, you can't see it, but I can. Um, next. We launch into vigorous action. No, into a course of vigorous action. Right. Like, yeah. So not quoting, but saying next. And we found out real quick that next means... Right now. Amen. Right Amen. now. If you're out there in Zoom land... And you did a one, two, and three. You should be doing a step four now. And now is a little scary. They say delay can be fatal. Right, right. So now is a little scary, but we launched. And I loved, and I I know you've got to remember this. When I originally did step work with Murph, Mm -hmm. he said, well, what do you think launched means? You know, like, what's that mean? Think of like a rocket. Yeah. Boom, NASA taking yeah. off, launch, yeah. fireworks. Yeah. yeah. Not next week, not next month, right, next right. year. Yeah. He said that no to me. No dilly dallying. Yeah. You think launch means next week? Do you think launch means when you're good and ready? <laughs> and I was like, well, I actually did think that. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying, Mark. Because that's really what I did. I did it when I was good and ready, which I know, thank God, our experiences are so different. Yeah. And that's why we are here together sharing our experience, strength, and hope. Because our experiences are different, and yet basically they brought us to the same path. We're, still, we're sober. Yeah. Still stayed sober. And so with that, you know, knowing how our paths are different, I didn't do what you did, you didn't do what I did, but we both did the same thing. What happened with you, Mar, when you got to step four made that searching and so step four for me, my, my sponsor didn't take me through the big book or the 12 and 12. She took me through a workbook, Women's Way Through the 12 Steps, which was great. Um, and I didn't know any different. Uh, and she just was like, here, go do it. She didn't, I didn't get the handholding, which, you know, I would have liked. But um, so I went on the internet and, and I found that spreadsheet that actually um, Mike uses, um, which is great. And I love that being kind of very computer literate. It was, I liked putting it all on paper on a, on a screen. And I did six pages, single space, small font. Like it was thorough as, and we talked about that on the way over here. Like I had one little thing that I didn't tell her. Oh, Um, oh. and it was a pretty big thing. And it was something that was going on sober too. Um, but I, but everything else, I was so thorough. Like I was so thorough with all of it. And, um, yeah. And then we sat, well, that's step five, but yeah, I was thorough and I, I got through it quickly. I did it probably in a week and a half, two weeks. Cause she was chop chopping me. She was like, where's it at? Uh, I love that, that she did chop chop because I didn't chop chop. I waited, waited for three years, mm. which I don't recommend. Mm. I don't recommend out there in zoom land. And if I was sponsoring, I'd say right now, right now, right now means right now. Next we launched, but I did wait and I used excuses because I was scared, Mm. you know, and when I, when I break down that step, we made a searching. So when I'm searching, I'm looking, right? It's like, I'm constantly losing my glasses, 
right? Like, where are my glasses? Does anybody ever have that problem? Where are my car keys? Where is my cell phone? Where's my stuff? And you look, because you have to find it, especially if you wear readers. You need your glasses. So you try to keep glasses all over the place, and you still lose them. Try to keep your keys by the door, and you still lose them. Try to keep your cell phone, right? You got one of those little tile things. You're still looking, right? Where's my cell phone? Beep, 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 beep. And, you know, when I say searching, I mean searching. I am looking. And then made a searching and fearless. That really implies to me fearless is courage. Well, I had none. I had none. I was scared. I'm still a scaredy cat. I mean, Marlene knows me really well. I don't like to walk into a dark room. I'm not going into the cellar. Okay. I got, I'm one of these people. I got every light in the house on. Okay. Every light. I'm one of those people. I don't like the dark. So I'm still scared of my own shadow. And yet there's some things that I feel God gives us strength for. God gives us courage. Mm. God gives us what we need when we need it. And even though I kept delaying, And I kept saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't figure that big book out. I don't know how to do all those lines. I wasn't computer literate. I was completely illiterate. (laughs) And I used those excuses. No, 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 no. And, you know, Joe Murphy was like, you got to, you know, you're coming back now. If you don't come back, don't come back. And I wanted, because I, I went to the meetings, the AA meetings, thank God. And I heard if you don't. Do the fourth. Mm-hmm. You pick up a fifth. You'll, yep. you'll drink a fifth. You'll drink a fifth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's that mean? That? Why do you say that? Why do people always say that? And I saw people stumbling in and out of AA. Because they didn't clean house. Right. They weren't doing the work. And I was one of those people. And we know who we are. So it was like, now what do I do? And really what happened was, thank God, besides going to AA, besides calling my sponsor, besides hitting my knees and asking God, please help me stay sober. Um, I went to a therapist. I went to Peg every Friday. And Peg's the one that said, you better do this because you're headed towards a drink. And I did not want to hear I was headed towards a drink. That was the last thing I wanted to hear. Why am I headed towards a drink? Oh, 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 oh. Because all my instincts were threatened. Mm -hmm. Every single instinct I had was threatened. I didn't even know what an instinct was. We didn't know what we didn't know. Right. I, instincts. What is this crazy lady talking about? But in the book, it tells us. And thank God, because then Pat, my sponsor, said, just take out the 12 and 12 and answer the questions. And I could follow that. I could go in and write out the question and answer it. Write out the question and answer it. And it's funny because we were talking about this too, made a searching and fearless moral inventory, right? Um, So finding that courage, and one of the things that I know about courage without defining, it is definitely a principle. It is definitely an asset when we have it. But I did find out that I had to have fear to get to courage. I had to have that fear, and I was a scaredy cat. And like I said, I still can be, but I do believe it's a gift from God when we sit down and we take the pen to the paper. Because I was going to enough meetings to hear people say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I end up getting drunk. I was, mm-hmm. That scared me even more. They got drunk. They didn't come back. It's like, whoa, what happened to Harry? He got drunk. That's what happened to Harry. 
And it was like, I didn't want to be one of those people. So as scared as I was, I started putting the pen to the paper. And then you start realizing, oh. See the patterns. Oh, my God. Who wants to look at that? Mm. None of us. I mean, truthfully, none of us. And it is interesting because I feel like, you know, when you're looking, you got to find your glasses, right? So I like that book, New Pair of Glasses, Mm -hmm. right? So I got to find the glasses because otherwise I can't see. I cannot see people without these glasses. I need to look right here to go, oh, okay, we're now doing the frog, fully relying on God. Otherwise, I don't see it. It's in the side note there. And it's in my life. So without the glasses, it's like, huh? So I'm looking with courage, right? I finally got a little bit of courage to pick up the pen and start writing to find out who I am. Who am I without a drink? Because getting sober, stop drinking is, okay, you stop drinking. Good job, right? Yeah, that's just one small part of it, unfortunately. And then we find out sober, how we can do the same thing sober. Yeah. That's what we found out, right? It's much more painful that way. Looking at yourself and doing those same behaviors sober is just great suffering from that. I hated it. Yeah. And, you know, I said constantly for three years, you know, I don't know how to do it. I don't understand all those lines. That's confusing to me. It looks like algebra. I can't read that. (laughs) I don't know that. Line this, line that. And I remember Joe Murphy. And thank God we we have terms that we use called dumbing it down. I love it when people dumb things down for me so that I can understand completely and clearly. And I still believe God is crystal clear. Confusion does not come from God. When I'm confused, that's me. That's me spinning. And it's like, whoa, why am I spinning? Because I don't want to do it. <laughs> I want to wait. I want to delay. And I remember Joe said to me, pray. Just pray. Pray and then write down some resentments. And I thought, I don't, I don't resent anybody. Remember those days? Mm-hmm. I have no resentments. What's he talking about? I love everybody. <laughs> Right? I mean, didn't you love everybody? I thought everybody loved me too. Right? And my delusional mind. I mean, that's what we think. I don't like, I don't dislike anybody. I love all people. Everybody. My world's full of love. And yet I prayed. Hmm. And he asked me, well, did you ever have a job that you didn't like somebody? Did you ever have a job you got fired from? I was like, no, I quit every job I had. Before, before I got fired, <laughs> before I got fired. So it was like, well, start writing down those people. Start writing down those people that you did work on a job with that you resented. And boy, oh boy, it starts to come to you, right? It's like, oh, I thought I had maybe best three people. And then it was like, and then he told me to write down nearest and dearest. He said, you better write down your nearest and dearest. Don't forget them. Because they're going to play an important part. And I was like, oh, I could never write down anything like that. I would never say I had a resentment against my mother. Oh, my God, that's sacrilegious. <laughs> right? Like, my sister, my, I love my sister. And then meanwhile, I'm thinking, I can't, but if, listen, if, Kate, if I don't know if Katie's on this line or not, but woo, <laughs> woo. 
talk about the stuff we do to our family, mm-hmm. our nearest and dearest. And, you know, it was really pretty simple. You know, when, when I look at it, you, you saw it from a com- computer accuracy, and I saw it as who was it? Who was it that I resented? Why did I resent them? And I liked that he broke it down. Like, why? What made me resent them? They stole my stuff. They broke into my, you know, they, they stole my boyfriend. They did this. They did that. Everything was they, 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 of course. And then looking at, you know, what was my part in it? What, what actually happened here? What was my part in it? I was like, I always thought I was an angel with wings on and a halo on the top. And now paying close attention, because now I really want to see. It started to play out that story of recent feelings. They kept happening over and over again. And all I had to do was visually see that person and know that I hated their guts. I couldn't stand thinking about them. If they walked in the room, I wanted to walk out. And then I realized, oh, I do. I definitely get my panties in a wad. This is not good. This is not good. But we're trying to clear all that up when we're searching mm-hmm. and we're fearless. And, you know, it wasn't just the resentments because then you got to get the other list out. Sexual uh, conduct and the harms and the fears, all of it. Shine that light. Yeah. This little light of mine. <laughs> all those dark corners. <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. Mm. Whoa. But, you know, the funny thing is everybody wants to have sex, but nobody wants to talk about it, right? It's like one of those things, right? Like, oh, I don't do that. Yes, you do. No, I don't. And, you know, without, you know, without really saying, you know, it's not about who you had sex with. It's about the what, motives. Mark? It's about the motives. It's about the motives and the manipulations. Mm-hmm. It's about and our... And it's not always about sex either. It, it can be the idea of sex, the promise of sex. Yeah. Oh, we have our little webs. <laughs> When at first we deceive, oh, Lord. right? Yeah, we all have our little webs. We're all little supermen here, superwomen. And they get entangled, and they get sprayed all over the walls. And then we take a look at, you know, did we cause bitterness? Did we cause this? And I always say, was I dishonest? Because it says, were you dishonest? And if I say I'm dishonest, then I caused all the other crap that goes with it. That's an amen. That's a straight flush, people. Yep, 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 yep. Did that, did that, did that. And it's like, whoa. And so we were able to really finally look at the sex conduct. You know, we're able to finally say, look how manipulative. My motives were not good. I mean... I I actually loved to make the guy I was with jealous. Like, you got a deranged mind here. And yet I couldn't stand it when they did that to me. And everything was like a tit for a tat. You did it to me, I'm going to do it to you. That's the way it goes, especially when you're drinking. Emotional deformities. Ugh. We're warped. Ugh. Yeah. Amen. And you don't even know it. And you know what I found out? You can do that stuff sober. Mm-hmm. We can do the same thing sober we did drunk. But now, but now, since we surrendered, right, 
we got honest. Hopefully you're getting honest. We're keeping this open mind. We got a little hope here. I got my blood sugar machine going crazy. Um, now, if I'm really being honest and I'm still doing the same behavior sober that I was drunk, I'm not working in a solution. I'm working out of a problem. My instincts are definitely a screw, right? They're definitely a screw. It's like, whoa, what's going on with that? Our instincts run wild, drunk and sober. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the really important piece for us in sobriety. You 15 years sober, 20 years sober, and we're looking at our lives going, you know, am I really staying in alignment here? There's newcomers on the Zoom that want help. Like, how did you do it? Well, Marlene, chop, chop. I took a while. And it's so like, we did it. But we did do it. <clears throat> and we stayed committed to the solution. And now living a sober life, it's like I have to check my instincts, right? My social instincts want me to know that I fit into the world. And I don't, if, if anything's threatened, if anything's threatened that makes me feel unsafe, then I start glaring those seven deadly sins, mm -hmm. right? And I can't rattle them all off to you. I don't have them memorized, but I know I utilize them. <laughs> I know I utilize them. And I have to be really mindful of that. Because once anything gets threatened, my social instinct, my sense of security with who I am, it felt like it felt like when I was drinking, everything was awry, but I didn't know that because I anesthetized with alcohol and or anything ad infinitum to that. And here we are as sober beings, sober women um, and sober men trying to get to the root of who we are by doing an inventory. And it was like, whoa, how, how do I get past the fear? Because you wrote down the resentments easy enough, right? After a while, after you get on a roll, you prayed, you said, okay, who did I resent from my job, from my workplace, from my home life, my nearest and dearest, from anywhere I come into contact with people, standing in line at Cracker Barrel, Right? It's like, whoa, I can get a resentment real quick if somebody doesn't wait on me. Chop, chop. Where's the chop in their chop? My patience, right? It's like, whoa. And so then I get to the fears. And it's like, well, how do you admit to the fears? Fear of what? Lots of things. Yeah. My list was long. Yeah. Everybody's different, though, you know? Yeah. But it boils down to a lot of the same things. Self-centered fear. It's losing something that I have or not getting something that I want. You're not taking it. It's mine. I own that. Don't mess with my stuff. Especially my man. Yes. Yeah, right? For women. And for guys, too. Your man. <laughs> right? Just saying. Just saying, people. No matter who it is, don't mess with it. We like ownership in AA. Mm. We want ownership. And it's like, oh, you know, is God in charge or am I in charge? Mm. And, and that's a big question. That's really the question. Like, who's in charge? Because if I think I'm in charge and I'm getting it all done, then I, I'm missing the point. Oh, I got that done. Good job. Well, we if just did step three before we launch into four. So three is, is it's kind of 
you know, God is letting us know we're safe with him to look at all this stuff. That's how I felt, Mm. Um, you know, when I turned it all over to God and trusted that it was all going to be okay doing the work. Um, I don't know, it was was reassuring to Mm -hmm. do three before four. Yeah, that's why they come in order. It's good. Right? Thing, yeah. But then the thing that happens is, I loved what you said, uh, because we're so thorough, right? Let's dot the I's and cross the T's, and I made sure I answered that question to the fullest, and I was very specific, and I feel like I honestly answered. But... One little thing. Right, right! There's that one little thing, and that one little thing is the thing that I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> It's the thing that I'm taking to the grave with me. It's the thing that you don't need to know. It's the thing that I'm just going to keep tucked away right here. It's not hurting anyone. Ah, right. Why do you need to know anyway? Right. So that one little thing is called a what, Marlene? Well, it's a lie. It's <laughs> denial. It's a defect. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a lie because we're keeping it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't want to tell it's anybody. Yeah. It's a secret. It's a flat out secret. I don't want you to know. I don't want you to know. I don't want anybody to know. I'm taking it to the grave. And those are the things that kill us. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that may cause us to drink again. Those are the things that will upset our whole life. And we got our ways, don't we? We do have our ways. Let's not hide it. We don't want to tell something, so we don't tell it. But we use other little means to to get around it. Right? Well, I'm not going to say it right now. I'm going to leave that big. Well, what did Delayed your, honesty. Right, right. Delayed honesty. Well, what did your sponsor say to you when you got done? You told me tonight what she said to you, Joyce, when you got done oh, doing well, it. Well, that, yeah, that was on five because we had finished five, which we're jumping ahead. But she just said, there's a bunch of stuff you're not telling me, either consciously or unconsciously. I want you to go home, pray about it every day. And, and meditate and pray on it. And in a week, um, I want you to come back with that list. And I was really pissed. Yeah, I was pissed. I was so thorough. Yeah, but I. But she was right. She sensed it. She knew. Yeah. And I'm yeah. so glad she did that. Yeah. Yeah. The secrets are what kill us. Mm-hmm. The things that we don't want people to know, and that's important for people to know out there. And it's funny when we talk about four. Obviously, we know a five is coming because we can't count. Right? We can't count. That I knew how to do. I might not know algebra very good, but I know how to count to five. And so five is coming. Four was hard enough, but five, we got to tell someone? Yeah. So without combining the two, they do meet with each other. They have to meet with each other. There's a union between four and five. And interestingly enough, that's how you know when you get to the secrets. Is because hopefully your sponsor is guiding, leading you, directing you to know that there might be something you forgot, mm-hmm. knowingly or unconsciously. Yeah. yeah, something you just don't want to admit to, that you just omit it from your handwriting, that just didn't come to you. And a lot of times, maybe we do block things out. Sure. Well, right? don't you think also, I mean, I've done several four steps, nothing like the first one, but lots has come out later. Like I couldn't probably look at a lot of the stuff so my brain just suppressed it all and I think if I had to look at all when I first came in I don't know if I would have stayed it was ugly it was ugly so 
a lot has come out later that I completely forgot that no. I was able to do an you know, additional four step on. Yeah. Well, since I did my th- mine three years into it, <laughs> I didn't have to worry about that because at that point I knew what happened. Yeah. And I was pretty clear because what happened was going into life sober, I started to do the same thing mm. sober that I was doing when I was drinking. And I didn't like that. I knew that. I knew something was definitely going awry. And it was like, whoa, awry, a lie. Mm. What's the difference here? And I was like, oh, do I want to live like this sober? That doesn't make sense if I'm going to be honest with who I am. If I really am powerless, I really have surrendered. Am I doing the work? No. You have to be honest with yourself. No, you're not doing the work because you haven't sat down to write it down. You haven't sat down to look at the resentments, to look at the fears, to look at the sex conduct. It's like, whoa, okay, where do I find all this? And then thankfully, hopefully, it's easy enough to go into your 12 and 12. It's easy enough to get a sponsor to walk you through it. It's easy enough to do a big book study. That's why we're here, to talk about our experience as to what really happened. We were afraid. We were scared. Our instincts want everybody to like us. That's a natural thing. Don't you like me? I want you to like me. Like me! Would you? And then when people snub us in any way, I get threatened. My instincts get threatened. And I have to be really careful with that because it's like the security, right? My social instincts cry out for a sense of security, material security, financial security, security. I want to be secure. I want to make sure I have a roof over my head. I want to make sure I'm driving a car that has insurance. It's not like drunk in the old days where you didn't care if you had insurance. Now I want to make sure I'm insured, you're insured, we're all insured. And this is insurance. This is an insurance policy on who we are. This is writing it down, your own policy. You're creating your own policy for life. And it is based on your instincts. And it is based on your resentments and your fears and everything that you've never wanted to face in your entire life. And now, thank God... You got a pair of glasses and you can see crystal clear because I just wrote it all down, but I still want to hold on to that one little thing, that one little thing that could possibly kill us. And I remember that one little thing, that one little thing that I was not admitting to anyone. And you know what I did? I took a trip to Australia across the world. And I met with the priest there. <laughs> I took a fifth step. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And here it is. And it felt so good to know that I could do that. It was like, well, this is my perfect shot. Now, not everybody can do that, right? We're not all flying across the world to tell our little sins, to tell our little secrets. And it's like, the secrets, the other thing about them, keep us sick. Sick. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a barrier. It is. It's a separation from separation God. Separation from God, from myself, and from others. Right. For sure. Because I think if you really knew who I was, what? You wouldn't like me. Right. Exactly. If you really knew who I was, there's a big possibility you might not like me. But we didn't like ourselves. Right. I mean, most of us, when we come in. Right. But we don't want to admit to that either. No. Put on a big fake, fake mask, mask, right? And it's like, whoa, that's not working anymore now either. 
It's like, wow. And then with all this uncovering, all this uncovering, all this uncovering of my patterns, right? Mm -hmm. Who I really am. Right. Of who am I? Really looking like, oh my God, I'm so I'm still looking for them glasses. Oh my God, where where am I? In all this. And you know, it's funny. Because when you do the work and you start to uncover, discover, and discard what the good, the bad, the ugly is, you start to see the real genuine person. The essence of who you really are. Amen. Yeah. The essence of who we really are is good. I mean, I know you know that saying. I know out in Zoom land they know that saying. God don't make junk. God does not make junk. We are good people created in the image of God. And it's like, whoa, all right. I like that. You know, I like knowing where I come from, no matter how bad it seems, because... I know somebody is out here in Zoom land or maybe even in this room that still needs help. People that go to meetings every day that have not done this work, that have not done this work. And that's why they're here so that they can be called to hopefully do a step four, hopefully sit down and go, oh, that girl said she just said, who was it that she had a recent feeling with of resentment? Who, why? What happened? What was my part in it? Do I owe them an apology? And I never owed an apology for anything, <laughs> mind you. Right, right, right. Everybody owed me an apology, right? Isn't that what happens? Like, they owe me an apology. They need to stop. <laughs> it's like, but when you really look and you really search, and you find out what your part in is, it, you realize... Man, I really need to address this. Got to change. Got to change. Change what? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we stay stuck in behavior. Sober. Sober. And that's the worst, right? Painful, painful. Yeah, that's the worst. Especially when we see it going on. It's like, whoa, what's that? So, you know, when I talk about my my basic problems, my instincts going awry, my, my sex conduct. It's like, whoa. And I start to straighten things out. I start to know who I am. That when I feel threatened in any way, shape, or form, the seven deadlies come out in me. I get greedy. I get feared up. I want more of everything. I want you out of the way. <laughs> um, everything starts to get crazy. That's sober. That's without a drunk, a drink. And it's like, whoa, I don't want to act drunk if I'm sober, right? I don't want my character defects acting up. And people are like, whoa, what what are you doing? And I'm like, well, if I continue to put God first and I ask God continuously to help me, the the famous, I love the three word, God help me, Mm -hmm. God help me, God help me, God help me, God help me to do this work so that I can be in communion with God. And I do believe that God is in the relationship. 100%. So when I'm in a relationship with people, then I know I feel the harmony and the peace. Mm -hmm. I'm being rewarded by God. Like God's here, right? God's here. We're having a good time. This is great. 
But it only takes one little thing to happen, right? Hey, there's no sanitizer in that there. Why are you yelling at me? Whoa, back it up, dude. Back it up, right? You're bringing disharmony in here, <laughs> right? Now, we, we do this, right? When our character, and I, I want to be reminded, because we're in a meeting of God and Alcoholics Anonymous. And I like that, because we're in relationship, and we're in harmony, and we have peace, and that feels good, because we have done a fourth step. And we do know who each other are. And we know who you are, too. Now, I'm not so sure about Zoomland out there and who's on the call and who needs help. But I do know that when I'm right with God and I've asked God, God help me to find my glasses, to, to do what I need to do. I want to I fill up with God. And no matter what anybody says or thinks about me, doesn't matter. Because somebody can come into the room and say, hey, Missy, you're a pine tree. All right. But I'm not a pine tree, and I know that, right? <laughs> right? But, hey, that's not usually what people say. <laughs> that's not what usually people say, right? When they're calling you on your stuff, they usually say, you're a liar. Oh, don't call me a liar. Right? Don't say that. Whoa, why are you saying that? And it's like, whoa, then things change up, right? You have to look at your behavior, and behavior is important. So it's like when I'm in this relationship with God, it's like, how am I? You know, how am I really being? I have these notes from Mike that are so funny. If I'm wearing my RBF, does anybody know what that is? If you're wearing an RBF, you see people. Resting bitch face. Right, 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 right. Well, okay, BH, whatever. Yeah. However, you, however you want to say it, you say potato, I say potato, right? Whatever. So if I'm in a room of AA, And I'm going every day to my group, my home group, where you know people. It's like having breakfast with somebody. And you see somebody with the RBF on. You got to figure what's up, right? What's wrong? It's that sick and suffering look. Really, it's a sick and suffering look. You could call it what you want. But we know when somebody's not right. And it's good to have a home group so that you know when somebody's not right. And you can say, are you okay? Do you need help? You know, have you done the steps? You know, are you working the steps? Maybe you've done them, but you're not working them. And it's like, oh, okay. Because I want this relationship with God. I want to remember that this is a sick man. How can I be helpful? Not blaming, not shaming, but asking, this is a sick man. We know when somebody looks sick, right? You can tell when somebody's flat out. And when they come in with an attitude or a RBF, then, whoa, we get our dandruffs up, don't we? We don't like them. They don't like me. They gave me the look. They're going to get the look right back. Stink eye, right? You got stink eye? I got stink eye. I got double stink eye. The horns, right? <laughs> you remember that? The horns? You're giving me the horns. It's like, what are the horns? <laughs> it's not good. It is not good. But it's like, God save me from being angry. Mm. God save me from being angry with this sick person. Right? What am I doing? Beating up on a sick guy? Like, I got to be so mindful everywhere I go. Because my character defects are like, we got a guy at one of the 
meetings and he says, you know, I buried my, I went outside and I buried my defects in the backyard. I came inside and they were all sitting at the dining room table. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, right. Yeah. But I constantly have to practice. God saved me from being angry that when I see somebody with RBF or I see that look of sickness, that I know that that's a sick man. And I can immediately go into prayer. God save me from being angry. How can I help this person? Love, kind, compassion. Love, kindness, and compassion. I got to keep coming back to the love. Love is the power that we bring into it. Kindness is the power that, that beats into that anger and compassion. And we don't always have it, right? Mm-hmm. That's why, thankfully, these, order. it's a tall order. Especially when we're mad. They gave us stink eye. They do it every day. It's not just once. It's every day. It's they got a problem. They are not working the steps. And it's like, well, am I? Am I? I got to ask myself that. Am I? It's easy to look at you. Thy will be done. God's will, not mine. Who's in charge? So those are the things that I have to constantly keep reiterating to myself, like, what's my part in this play? And it is a play. All the world's a stage. And all the men and women, merely players. One man, one woman, in her lifetime, in our lifetime, in your lifetime, plays many different roles. And we can, we can play the roles. We can play the parts. There's no business like show business. And it's like, whoa, is this a show? This is the real deal. I want to live life fully and completely without regret. I got to get down the basic harms done. Like, I got to fess up. Fess up now. And thank God we can look. We can see. And we can feel. And just, you know... I remember another thing in the beginning of coming in, the foundation. So if anybody's out there building a foundation, you got sober January 1st, and you're kicking off time, and you're attending these meetings, uh, feelings aren't fact. That's right. Feelings are not fact. And it's like, whoa, well, feelings aren't fact. What are they? Listen, what are they if they're not facts? My feelings. But thank God when we got here to this step, We were able to look at how we felt when we realized what we did with the resentment and the manipulations and the motives, finding out deeply, deeply who we are as human beings, that we're not all bad. Mm -mm. I mean, how does that feel at the end? I guess I felt bad when I came into AA, I felt like a horrible person, but when I finished my fourth step, I, I found com- compassion for myself. Like mm. I really felt, I could see the illness. I could see the what was driving the, and it was all self-centered fear. Most of it was all self-centered fear that drove all the the behaviors behind the defects. You know, so there was relief when it was done. It was mm. ugly, but there was relief. There was freedom from it. Like I swallowed some huge pieces of truth about myself, and as bad as it was. It wasn't as bad as maybe I made it out to be. And that's the thing I try to stress to people is don't be afraid of it. Just do it. It's, you got, I got to do it. I had to do it. I'm so glad I did it because I don't think I'd stay. I would have stayed if I hadn't done it. 
for sure. Yeah, I like, I like the word you use because I think it's such an appropriate word for many, many people. When we do, we finally take the action, right? Because before, you know, we, we were getting honest. We admit it. Yes, I'm an alcoholic. Okay, I believe whatever you say. All right, I'll be restored. Okay, I'm willing to say, you know, God, I offer myself to thee. But to put it down on paper. And then we finally get the courage. You know, we walked through the fear. We wrote it all down. We looked at it. Right. We knew what we wrote down before we ever even did a step five. Right. We knew what the secrets were inside of here. We knew what we weren't going to talk about or we, we didn't know. But more will be revealed. And it's like, oh, my God, just writing it down, just doing the work. Like you said, like what a relief. And I think relief you know, I don't know the origins of the word, you know, the Greek, the Latin, the whatever, but it reminds me of relief is like final reliance, final reliance on God. Because you said it yourself. I had already done a step three. I already did that. I said, God, I abandon myself to you. God, I offer myself to you. So using that as my legwork, mm-hmm. using that as my foundation, Trusting. trust God, I trust you, God, I trust. So then you finally wrote it down and you chop, chop, hats off to you. I delayed, but here I was with this sense of relief. Like now it's like, I can't wait. Like, thank God, because God is in that. Mm-hmm. God is in that. God is in that paper that you wrote it all down on and so many more miracles. You know, they call AA the miracle club, right? Mm. We call it the miracle club because we're all miracles to be alive. We're all miracles to be able to be here tonight, breathing awake, alive. Cause that, you know, tragedy is all around us. Mm. I mean, unfortunately I had someone kill themselves just yesterday in my own life. And it's sad. And this is happening now. This is now, right now. People are ending their own lives in a variety of ways. Alcohol, drugs, fear, fear that we talked about. And it's like, we need God more than Mm. ever. We don't know who's broken when we walk by these people and say hi, oh, they gave me stink eye. You know, it's like, whoa, what's wrong with that person? God help me. God help me be the hand, be the light that can shine in on somebody else and say, hey, neighbor, I'm here for you. I'll help you. That's why we are neighbors. That's why we're here to be with each other out there in La La. I keep wanting to call it La La Land. <laughs> zoom land, zoom land, you zoomers, you zoomers, zooming in. Um, you know, God is in the union. God is in the pen. God is in the paper. God is in our hearts. God is in our words. God is in everything. 
if we remember to call on God, Mm -hmm. each and every one of us, each and every day. And when we completely and fully trust in God, surrender, give ourselves to God on a daily, daily basis. And it is truly moment by moment. You know, earlier when I was talking about, you know, it's just for right now. It's just for this moment with God. Because I don't know what's going to happen when we leave here. You know, we'll say our goodbyes. We'll say our prayers. You go to your house. I go to my house. We get tucked in for the night. We say our prayers. We say thank you. But there's a lot of people out there. A lot of people out there that need this. Especially now. Next. We launched. (laughs) So this is, you know, where we are on a course of vigorous action Every hard day. work hard hard work it's worth it though amen you know for something i didn't want to do so mm. bad for something i didn't want to do so bad i was so afraid and it got me to this place this space right here right now it's like thank, thank you god. god like i don't know where i would be I just know I'm here because I believe God delivered me here. So for all of you guys out there in Zoom land, pick up your books chop, chop. and chop, chop. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's all we got, folks. <laughs> chop, chop. Amen. <laughs> chop, mother love and chop. That's so funny. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies. That was great. Um, Hang on. Let's see. Now we are going to have Joseph wearing his second hat tonight as the secretary. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. I am Two Hat Joey. And I am your, now I am your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hello. <laughs> That's my name. All right. Um, thank you again, ladies. That was really awesome. Um, in keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, the baskets are now going around. And um, never forget, you have the ability to give online at aa.org or your local intergroup website, aa Broward, if you're if you are local. Um, so please, uh, go give online now. AA is still in using their reserves. Could definitely use it in this COVID time. Um, now I've asked myself to read the recovered (laughs) statement and and I've accepted that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And uh, (laughs) yeah, um, we read this notice to explain why many people in this room identify as recovered rather than recovering alcoholic and what exactly that means to be a recovered alcoholic. <clears throat> we are not cured of alcoholism, recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime. 
but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centered in his mind rather than in his body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, oh, 19, sorry. Bad posture. Recovered, but still bad posture is what I'm working on. All right. Uh, 1940-style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time. And neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. <clears throat> At this time, I'm going to ask a show of hands of all your recovered alcoholics. We have a new one in the room. Yay. Our sponsor, Alex, just did his 10 and 11. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and at this time, anyone that needs a sponsor um, in the Zoom room, please raise your hand. And all you recovered alcoholics that, that may see that hand, please reach out to them. And let's get these folks back to God. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's good. All right. All right. Uh, please join us Monday night's Big Book study meeting where the Big Book comes alive. We're in the family afterwards, and it's a hoot, if I may. Uh, the fellowship starts at 6.30. The Big Book study starts at 7.15. Um, we uh, hope to see you guys there. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, uh, large print, excuse me, CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. By we, I mean the your local intergroups. Pop on by there, um, say hello, and another great way to contribute to this awesome program. So go pick those up. Uh, we meet every Thursday promptly at 7.15 with the fellowship starting at 6.30, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you. See you next week. Thank you, Joey. Um, I'd like to once again invite everybody to our Monday night big book study uh, right here at 715. Um, and we are going to close uh, with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. See you all Monday or next Thursday, and thank you again, ladies. Thirsty bodies aching. 
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Flowers blooming all the time That's at my door 
ever before I had to change everything to realize That today is the best day of my life Cause this broken man I travel God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Shot it. 